baseline. I'm going to do this as quick as I can because it is quite a long story. Um, so Joseph was the 11th son of Jacob. Uh, Jacob had 12 sons, and jo- Joseph was Jacob's favorite son, so he loved him very much. Um, he used to let Joseph relax around the house, do whatever he wanted, whilst his brothers were out tending the flocks and working hard. And on top of this, Joseph was a tout, which is a Northern Irish word I've learned since being here. He's a tout. He used to go and check up on his brothers. He used to bring back bad reports to his father. Uh, and all these things, just, you know, it made, it made the, his brothers just resent him. And then just to put a cherry on top of the cake, um, Joseph's dad, Jacob, presented him with this uh, wonderful coat. Uh, this uh, decorative coat. And so the brothers, the brothers hated Joseph. I've got a little picture here of what Joseph probably looked like. Obviously. Uh, I don't know if he actually wore that sort of coat, but that reminds me of something that maybe Steve McAllister would probably wear with his... <laughs> is he even here today? No, with his... Well, sort of thing he'd wear with his pink flip-flops. Anyway, so here we go. In Joseph, in Genesis 47, when, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him, and they could not speak a kind word to him. So to me, it seems to me that Joseph was a typical younger brother. Um, irritating, uh, spoilt rotten, lazy, uh, annoying, you know, just, just a pain in, in the butt, really. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the oldest in my family, so I, I kind of don't really have much sympathy. Hannah's the youngest in her family, so that explains a lot. Um, <laughs> Now, the situation got worse when Joseph decided to share a dream he had with his brothers, which involves his brothers bowing down before him and him ruling over them. Um, and I think for the brothers, this was their final straw. And they, sort of, they, came, they thought about it, and after much consideration, they did what uh, any sensible, um, mature, wise older brothers would have done, and they sold him into slavery <laughs> for 20 shekels of silver. So they sold him to Ishmaelite, who then sold him to Potiphar, uh, who was one of Pharaoh's officials. And we read it uh, in, in, in Genesis 39. Um, you can kind of follow along. It starts in 37, with misses 38, and you can kind of follow along if you want, but it's a whistle-stop tour. So the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Uh, Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted his care uh, he custom, entrusted his care, everything he owned. So the Lord was with Joseph. That's, that's the main point I wanted to make there. He was with him, and even though he had been sold into slavery, um, Joseph worked hard, and he uh, was given a lot, a lot of responsibility. Uh, it all went a little bit sour when Potiphar's wife tried to um, get Joseph to come to bed with him, and he says, no thanks. And she takes his I don't know, dressing gown, got robe or something like that, and says, oh, he's tried it on with me. And then he gets thrown into prison. So as an innocent man, he's thrown into prison. Um, and again, in prison, we read that he was shown favor. And he was, while he was in prison, he was promoted to a prison warden. So I, don't, I don't really know what that meant, but it seems that he had responsibilities in prison. And during, whilst he was in prison, he met um, the cupbearer, who's like a waiter, and the baker uh, of Pharaoh, who were also in prison at the time. And these two have dreams, which... Joseph interprets. It doesn't go well for the baker. The baker gets his head chopped off, and uh, just like the dream, and then the uh, cupbearer is restored to his position of, of waiter for, the, for Pharaoh. And he says, I won't forget you, Joe. You know, you, you sorted me out. Um, and he goes back to Pharaoh, and he does forget Joseph. So two years go by. Uh, Joseph is still in prison. Um, and then Pharaoh has a disturbing dream about fat cows and skinny cows and 
all this weird stuff. And uh, the, the cupbearer remembers Joseph in prison. He says, get, get Joe, he can interpret your dream. You know, he'll know, what, he'll know what's going on here. Um, so, so yet Joseph comes and he, he interprets the dream and he says, you know, there's going to be seven years of prosperity and good harvest uh, and there's going to be seven years of famine. And during the, during the uh, good harvest, you need to store up your grain and build storehouses um, and you need someone to, to manage that and to keep records. And Pharaoh likes Joseph. He says, you're the man. You're going to be the man for the job. Uh, and he makes him prime minister. So, then, so Joseph has gone from... Uh, Sorry. Should just throw it on the floor, really. It's too small. Who got this? Who bought this? Right, so Joseph has gone from favorite son, spoiled, relaxing around the house, to, uh, to slave, to innocent, to innocent man thrown into prison, and he's made prime minister of Egypt. It's a, it's a mental story when you think about it, and it, it's no wonder it's one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. It's probably... Well, I wouldn't say it's as good as Breaking Bad, but it's, it's almost as good <laughs> as Breaking Bad on Netflix. But uh, to cut a long story short, um, Joseph's family who are in Canaan, uh, it get, comes to the famine, and they need, they need food. And so they hear that Egypt has got all these storehouses, and they, they think, if we go to Egypt, we may be able to get some food from there. So they come, they come before Joseph, and they don't recognize their brother. Uh, and, they, and they bow down before him, just like Joseph's dream, which he had all those years ago. And Joseph eventually says, all right, lads, it's me, your favorite brother. Um, and and he, he doesn't stand tall over them. He doesn't gloat, but he receives his brothers with mercy. And he looks after them. And he says to them, do, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. He says, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And it was not you who sent me here, but God. Um, and what he does then, he brings his whole family to Egypt and he gives them uh, property in the best part of the land and he looks after them. And actually that Jacob's descendants and Joseph's brothers and their children's children, they remain in Egypt, Egypt for 400 years uh, after that until a fellow called Moses comes along to take them out of, of Egypt. Um, and once Joseph dies, uh, the, uh, the Pharaoh then, the family becomes slaves. So they, they do live there as slaves, but they, they stay there for the 400 years. Um, so I've got a few, a few points here uh, from the story. That's a real, a real whistle-stop tour of the story, but hopefully it gives you a rough idea. And hopefully I didn't miss anything out. So here's the main point. Uh, God is in charge, and he wants the best for us. God is in charge, and he wants the best for us. And the story of Joseph is a clear picture of God's faithfulness. Uh, and God does not forsake his children in times of, uh, of in the midst of suffering, and he's sovereign over us. Um, and you know we're all going to face difficult and distressing situations in our life and circumstances. We're all going to find ourselves in those those times, and uh, some of them might even be unjust. Like in Joseph's case, you know he was thrown into prison as an innocent man. Uh, he didn't deserve these things, but and we're all and at different times in our lives we are going to find ourselves in in those sorts of, sorts of periods. Uh, but what we, we need to do is we need to trust, trust God that he is with us in those times and that he has a plan. We, can, we read in Genesis, I'm not going to put it up here, but Genesis 39, verses 3, verses 5, verses 21, and verses 23, repeats the phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. Um, so even though things sometimes seemed like they were going from bad to worse, the Lord was with Joseph. 
Um, and going back to what I said, that God has a plan. Um, in the story, um, part of the plan um, was that Jacob's, Jacob's children, his, his, his 12 sons, were going to be the 12 tribes of Israel. And God knew that they couldn't survive in Canaan. So he, had to, he made a way to bring the family to Egypt through Joseph, and Joseph was part of that plan. Um, so like I said, Jacob's descendants, they lived in, as slaves for 400 years. But in that time, in Egypt, they became the Israelite people, and they grew into a nation. Um, Egypt was the place to be. You know, that's where everything happened. And as slaves there, they learned to build things and to keep records and to navigate. Um, the navigation wasn't really... Actually, they probably didn't learn to navigate because they wandered around the desert, didn't they, for 40 years? They probably did learn to navigate, but... Anyway, so, so when God called them to the promised land, they knew how to build uh, an ark and a tabernacle. And, and when, they, when they got to the promised land, they could build a, a temple and they could keep records. And that's how we have the Old Testament. Um, if, you know, if, if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't have the Old Testament. Um, so, so God used Joseph to take his family to Egypt. And, and obviously, he had a plan and a bigger picture, which couldn't be seen at the time. You know, we can see it now looking back. Um, so, yeah, the thing that sort of stuck out to me in the story as well was um, no matter what situation Joseph was in, he remained faithful and he worked hard with integrity. And even though things seemed to go from bad to worse, um, he just kept going and he just kept on giving it his best. And he kept on trusting that God had a plan for him. So sometimes when we think that it's all going wrong, um, we just need to trust that God knows better and that he is in control. Um, I, think, I think there might be some people here this morning who um, maybe have a little bit of disappointment in their lives, feel, feel a little bit of disappointment about where they're at in their lives in certain areas. Um, maybe dreams and hopes and ambitions that haven't maybe fully uh, come come the way that you thought they might happen, uh, and you're just giving up a bit of hope. Um, and I think that this morning that God wants to meet with you, and he wants to come into those uh, situations, and he wants to bring hope. We're Carrick Fergus Vineyard, that's our, our slogan is, we're a place of hope. Um, and God is our hope. I think this morning God wants to breathe new life into those dreams and those, those places of disappointment that we find ourselves in. Um, I was just thinking back to in my life, a few times where I've been in different um, periods of just disappointment, and uh, there's a few that came to mind, but probably the most, the one that really sticks in my mind today is uh, when I was about 16, 17, I started playing guitar. Um, I used to love to worship in church, and I just started playing guitar to, to really do that at home. It, led, it ended up with me being involved in the, the worship team, um, at our church, and I'd, I'd lead once a month. I'd just play guitar once a month with one of the guys who sort of took me under his wing and would mentor me in that. And uh, so I used to play guitar once a month, and uh, I actually found out recently that I wasn't even plugged into the sound system. It was just, I wasn't very good. So I used, to, I used to come afterwards and say, Dan, oh, could you hear me? Did it sound good? And she went, oh, it's brilliant. I could really hear you this week. And uh, so it's a bit embarrassing now, but... Oh, well. So I used to, used to do this, and I used to do it once a month, and, and I loved it. And I kind of felt, yeah, this is my, this is my calling. You know, I love to do this. I love to lead worship. And, and I kind of I feel like I found what I'm, I should be doing, and, and 
I've got a part to play in the, in the church, and, and I was getting a bit more confident and maybe leading one song every now and then. And then um, the guy who was sort of mentoring me, he left and went to another church and got a job as a worship pastor in another church, and I got forgotten about. <laughs> I was sort of left. I, I just got, I wasn't on the rotor. I was only young. I, I didn't really know why. Um, I was a bit confused, and I was hurt and upset like no one had said to me this was happening, and I was, I was angry. I, bet I thought maybe I'd done something wrong. You know, maybe my guitar playing wasn't good enough, or maybe... Uh, you know, maybe I'd said something. I was, I was a bit angry with God because I was like, God, you know, that's my calling. What, what are you doing? Come on, I need to be getting more experience here. And I remember I met with a friend, and, and, and he said to me, oh, he was a worship leader as well, another uh, different place, and he said to me, so how's it going? Are you still leading? Are you still uh, are you doing that? And I, and I kind of told him a story, hoping for a bit of sympathy. And all I got back was, uh, well, mate, it's, uh, it's good for your heart. He said, it's good for your heart. And uh, at first I was a little bit like, rubbish advice. But uh, no, he was right. And because the thing is, it, leading worship wasn't about me at all. And I, and I kind of made it this thing that was going to be my thing. And I, you know, I need more opportunities, need more chances. And, and, uh, and I'd made it really about me. And um, I needed, I needed to le- God needed to teach me a lesson in order for me to, to, to use me in that. And eventually, over time, it was about a year probably, I, I still didn't really know what was going on. I just, I just learned to trust. And I, I said to God, you know, it's in your hands. I, I love leading worship. I'd love to do that more. But if it's not part of your plan, then it's not part of your plan. And I had to sort of just accept that and trust God that he did have a plan for my life. And over time, I did end up leading a bit more. But this time, I had a completely different approach. And it was a less of an inward-looking approach. Um, and like I said, God needed to teach me that. And it took me going through quite a difficult time um, in order to, to learn that, that lesson. And I look back now and I'm so pleased that that, that, that happened because, it, you know, I don't think I'd probably be leading worship here. Many of even come to Carrick Focus Vineyard if that hadn't happened. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we're all going to face disappointments at some point. And no, but no doubt in our lives, in our family lives, in our work lives, in our personal lives, we're going to uh, suffer failure. It's, it's going to happen then. Um, but what, what we need to do is we need to learn to trust God in the midst of that. I've got a few quotes which actually don't show up very well on here. I'm sorry. But I'll read them out. C.S. Lewis said that failure, failures are finger posts on the road to achievement. Failures are finger posts on the road to achievement. So we, we, don't, we can't achieve without probably failing. You know, it's gonna come, they come hand in hand. At some point, we're only humans, and we're going we're gonna to muck it up. And Oscar Wilde said that what seems to us as bitter trials are often blessings in disguise. Um, and isn't that true? Like after we look back on times of disappointment and uh, you know, circumstances that just aren't going in our favor, we look back on them and we think, actually, Lord, you are teaching me and you are preparing me for something that at the time I didn't even understand. Um, Michael Jordan, he didn't even get into his high school basketball team, uh, but he didn't give up. And he says this... Um, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career, and I've lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I've been entrusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Michael John didn't give up. He, he kept on going, and he kept on striving. And, you know, and he's one of the most famous sportsmen that we know. Um, and Joseph is the same. I mentioned it earlier. He, he, he didn't give up, and he kept on going, he kept on trusting God, and he remained faithful, and he worked hard with integrity. 
Um, and here's the thing as well. That's a bit of a Paul thing to say, isn't it? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. I learned something. So here's the thing. God doesn't make the bad things happen in our lives. Um, he doesn't cause the bad things to happen. But he can, he can come into the, those situations and he can turn them around. You know, uh, Romans 8 is one of my favorite, um, again, one of my favorite books and chapters in the Bible. And it's, I'm not going to read it all because it's quite long, but definitely go home and read it. It's a really powerful um, part of the Bible. So I'm going to read a few little bits here. I don't know if you can, they're clear enough. So Romans 8 verses 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And in Romans 8, 37 to 39 we read, In all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that bit at the end as well, that nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, we sing, don't we? We sing, we sing all the time in our songs. Um, i trying to think of a few. We sing, even when the enemy means for evil, you turn it for our good and for your glory. Um, and we sing, uh, our, nothing is separate. Nothing is separate. It's your love never fails. Uh, all our songs, you know, loads of them sing of this, and we, and, we, and I, when when we lead these songs, I can see that, that you know, you connect with people, and and, uh, but we need to believe it. You know, there's no point in us singing it every week if we don't believe it. If God is for us, and who can stand against us? Is we need to believe that God is in charge, and He wants the best for us. Uh, his timing is perfect, and sometimes we just have to keep on going, and we just have to keep on trusting in Him. So God can come into our situations and he can turn it around and he knows what he is doing uh, in your life and in my life and he's, he's bigger than our circumstances. Joseph said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. I'm just going to finish by reading out a CV and you, you might have heard this before, but it's, uh, don't spoil it for those who haven't. It's a CV of an American politician who is about 250 years old. He's not 250 years old. Uh, he's dead now. So I'm going to read this out. So in 1831, he failed in business as it went bankrupt. And in, in 1832, he stood for legislature. Is that you say? Legislature? Hillis? Yeah? Yeah. 1830, he also stood for, uh, he also lost his job and wanted to go to law school, but he couldn't get in. In 1833, he failed in his second business. In 1836, he, stood, he suffered a nervous breakdown. In 1838, he stood for speaker, and he lost. In 1840, he stood for elector, and he lost. In 1843, he stood for Congress, and he lost. In 1848, he ran for Congress again, and he lost. Uh, in 1854, he ran for Senate of the United States, and he lost. Uh, in 1856, he stood for vice president, and he lost. And in 1858, he ran for Senate again, but he lost. And then in 1860, Abraham Lincoln became the president of the United States of America. And thank goodness that he didn't give up. Yeah. 
I'm going to finish it there. But yeah, I, th- I think there's some people here this morning that have given up on themselves and on their dreams. And I think we need to let God come into our situations and our circumstances and turn them around. And we need to trust him that he has a plan for us. Folks, we're going to worship some more, and uh, then we're going to pray, and we're going to give opportunity for God to minister to you. Uh, That's really, really encouraging this morning, helpful, and I'm sure for many of you, and uh, we want to give you opportunity to respond to what God is saying to you and through that. So um, why don't we stand together?